I'm Lucas. And I'm Ricardo T. <laughs> and welcome to the Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen, we watch it, and then we meet to discuss it. This week's film is The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert from 1994, directed by Stephen Elliott, produced by Al Clark and Michael Hamlin, written by Stephen Elliott, starring Terence Stamp, Hugo Weaving, Guy Pearce, and Bill Hunter. Music by Guy Cross, cinematography by Brian J. Breheny, and edited by Sue Blaney. Nice, simple names. <laughs> Although sometimes you think, oh, they'll all be easy. I was just waiting for a, for a, a devil at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, like in the sweet hereafter. Yes. They're like, oh, yeah, Canadian film will be easy. Oh, no. <laughs> or the never remembers. <laughs> uh, and the synopsis is, when drag queen Anthony agrees to take his act on the road, he invites fellow crossdresser Adam and transsexual Bernadette to come along. In their colourful boss named Priscilla, the three performers travel across the Australian desert performing for enthusiastic crowds and homophobic locals. <laughs> but when the other two performers learn the truth about why Anthony took the job, it threatens their act and their friendship. Dun dun dun! Oh, the drama! So, this week's film was picked by Ricardo. It was indeed. Ricardo, why did you pick this? Because it's fabulous. <laughs> like, uh, it's I an think, appropriate word, isn't it? Yeah, I think that after uh, Green Room, I thought it would be a... Yeah, uh, it was... <laughs> time for something that is slightly more light-hearted and uh, welcoming, in a way. Uh, also, looking back at our choices, I think that with the exception of We Are The Best and perhaps... Uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington and um, it happened one night. We haven't picked many uh, feel-good movies. It seems that no. we are There's like... definitely more, but yeah. not many. Yeah, and Even yeah. the ones that are kind of feel-good also yeah, have ultimately. a very deep and troubling uh, even undercurrent. Our, even our animation choices. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a film for kids about death. Well, like it feels it's some, a film for kids about death. It feels sometimes with like the the depth in cinema for feel good cinema <laughs> and stuff that we are in a back garden somewhere and well, there's uh, some roses blooming behind us and we're just stabbing the ground with a bayonet, <laughs> <laughs> looking at the dirt. Um, yeah, I'm gonna pull my hands up and take a good portion of the responsibility because not yeah. many of the feel good choices were mine. So yeah, like uh, I I do seem to have a, a more welcoming kind of uh, taste that, when it comes it's to. It's not that I don't good. love those movies. It's just maybe those are the particular movies that you've seen more yeah. of. So you know, there's 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 a few things going on there. But no, I, I yeah, don't. I wasn't a goth as a teenager. <laughs> Hey, no, <laughs> I wasn't a goth. Uh, but, well, borderline. <laughs> Punky enough. Um, I grew up in Boncrana. There was, there's not that much differentiation between the different cliques. <laughs> Did you used to get a bus down to Dublin just to hang out at Central Bank? No, I used to hang out outside Iceland and Derry. That's oh, okay. <laughs> That's where they gather. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. For the freak flag fight. Not anymore, though. It's very sad. Uh, I, I thought as well that like uh, this is a film that, uh, interestingly enough, it's uh, one of the, the other Cinemax adventures of my Uruguayan days that oh. I'd be uh, Oh, when did you watch this? In, what, 2002 or something? And I was absolutely hit by it for one that I never So you're like, had... what, 13? Yeah, 11 or 12 thereabouts. Oh, uh, right. And also the, like... My family is fairly progressive for Latin America, but at the same time, I wasn't exposed to a lot of 
queer uh, art and queer culture per se. Yeah. So when I started watching this movie, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but I was just carried away by it, you know? Like, I think yeah. that I did have uh, that kind of engraved... Um, not necessarily that I was against or a homophobe, but be- just for the not being exposed to mm. this not understanding s- side of the world maybe, kind of thing. Rather yeah. than, yeah. That uh, I had the preconception and also that kind of, oh, this is a bit weird. Why are they doing it? And just because of the sheer open heartedness of the film and the characters, uh, it just moseyed me along so well. And I, it took me ages to rewatch it because there's a period between I'd say 9 and 13 that there was a lot of films that I loved watching uh, because I was being exposed to films that I hadn't before but that those films haven't particularly aged well that I Mm. don't enjoy that much and the film that gave me the so much not only I think in a way uh, affected the way that I viewed the world to be more open-minded in many ways that also um there also is a film that uh, I enjoyed that much, you know, like you can't like not enjoy a film that ends with a fucking limp sick of ABBA. Of, uh, uh, is this? Oh, no, your mom loved ABBA. So this is not. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I actually watched it with my mom there. Uh, she had like a bad day in work and I was like, oh, I, need I know what ho- you need. Hold your horses. <laughs> like, I have the perfect medicine. <laughs> she had seen the movie before and she was like, OK, uh, it's grand. Uh, also, it's strange because like for the first time that I was watching, I was like looking at Terrence Stamp going like, "Who? how the fuck do I know this dude? And it's because I had seen Superman 2 a million times and he plays Zod. In Superman 2. Oh, yeah. Like he, I don't know if I've seen Superman 2. Oh, it's great. Both cuts, like the Richard Donner cut and the Richard Lister cut. It's like... It's, <laughs> he knows the cuts, folks. <laughs> well, like, and as well, it's uh, one of those films that just the making of is quite interesting because of the politics in the background and the fact that they started shooting Superman 1 2 back to back and then for some reason they fought against Richard Donner even though superman one was great and i was like the script was by mario puso and stuff it was kind Mm. of weird and also that they had to call marlon brando out because of contract reasons very interesting but beside the point but the thing is that my i had also seen the ah who directed the movie uh it's a uh i think it's a david mamet movie the limey oh yeah like i had seen that already i think so like that's been remade so Terry Snap had this like weird position in my brain that like still to this day I just sometimes the line kneel before Zod because he says it about like seven times in Superman 2. Like, the man has a fantastic voice. Yeah, like he he's fantastic. And I think this is one of my favorite, uh, one of the best performances ever. I think it's one by of... By him? No, by any actor. I mm. think that it's uh, one of those... Performances that imbues the character with so much history and feeling and emotion, but also that you feel without having a background for the character, you feel the entire history and the weight of the character's entire life. Mm. And if you you get a lot more about the past from the Guy Pierce character and the Hugo Weaving character than the Bernadette character, mm. but she feels so well rounded and amazing and like, and the relationship between her and Bob was something that I was looking forward to talk to you about because I think that it's one of the kindest most uh, open-hearted relationships in movie history and so 
sweet, natural, and uh, unexpected as well, mm. which uh, I really enjoyed. Um, and there's a, but the film at the same time, it, it it takes much like the characters. It's rough around the edges and like over the top and crazy. And <laughs> I I think that it in other films I'd be criticizing, going like, oh, the cuts are a bit like jaggering yeah, it's a bit and haywire in, and, in places. Yeah, but at the same time, it's so. <laughs> part of the charm of the movie that it, it really feels like a bunch of friends oh, just feels, went on a road trip it to feels make very handmade like yeah. in a good way like yeah and uh, you can tell that it's one of those few movies that everybody was having as much fun making it as the audience would but it doesn't uh, completely alienate either through yeah and it doesn't uh, blow over the hardship and the uh, the, ostrac- the ostracizing of the culture mm. within Australia. It doesn't shy away from showing the homophobes, from showing like the reason why as well the you have a lavender bus. It's not just that they painted it that. It's just to hide a very homophobic mm. statement in one of the pub, like one of the areas that was more open for them even mm. during their journey. So I think the even though it has its surreal moments and its open heartedness, it has, uh, uh, it doesn't shy away from showing the hardships and also what's the other side of the coin of the dangers that they face in, mm. in Australian society at that time, that it's still like, it is improving uh, worldwide. Mm. Well, we've, talked Australia, a, we've talked, we talked a bit about sort of the Australian society and like the conservatism of it and the, particularly in relation to like masculinity and stuff when we were talking about Wake and Fright. And I thought it'd be a, good also point of like comparison between wake and fright and this because similarly they go to the outback Mm -hmm. and face the 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 history of that area as well and i think that moment by moment this movie also has great moments and ideas that any road movie is episodic and lives or dies by those episodes being interesting because you don't have really a plot to Mm. tie everything together so uh, most world movies kind of sag in the middle and I think that the middle is the part that I enjoyed the most of the movie <laughs> because it's when uh, it becomes more unexpected and more kind of ragged and crazy and it kind of let go, lets go of any preconception that you have in the movie and I think that also the success that it had in festivals uh, it's quite uh, a testament to the kind of movie that it is that it didn't win any major awards in festival, mm. but it won a series of favorite audience films in Cannes, in Berlin. You can in understand why Toronto. this is a cult movie, like absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, like, uh, besides all that, that is a movie that you'd enjoy. And uh, so, what did you think of the movie, or <laughs> like, obviously, there's a lot to unpack as well as the movie, and I have a few questions, but I just want yeah. to get your take before because I'm kind of scared that you. Might like... <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> yes. Come on now. <laughs> um, yeah, I like for a no- number of reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, as I, w- I was watching this, actually, um, all I was thinking that I think I would pay hard cash to go back in time to 1994 and watch this when it came out because like 
just like the the era that it was like right while like the AIDS epidemic and obviously it briefly like touches on that like while that was all still raging and you know like that mainstream cinema was kind of like you know dealing with it in, a, in its in its mainstream way like throwing out kind of like you know melodramatic outrage films like Philadelphia and whatnot not that Philadelphia is a bad movie and the band played on well, yeah, but I mean, the Battle is a slightly different thing because it is more of a kind of a like, uh, not, not well, fact based. Uh, yeah, it's more of almost like a docudrama than you know than than this than a straight up you know narrative pieces. Uh, also, it's a TV movie as well, and it's kind of it's a slightly different animal. Not that I didn't think about that as well, uh, particularly that and the band played on um, and Philadelphia as well are are made at the time. You know what I mean? Like, they are direct responses to something that yeah. is ongoing. Well, Philadelphia came out a year before this. Yeah. Um, which I actually uh, watched recently. And I don't want to knock Philadelphia at all, but it's not this movie. You yeah, know? so like, Philadelphia is very much a film of its moment that uh, yeah. is, like, uh, more like a using... Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I don't want to ever knock Jonathan Demi. Like, definitely not, but... But also, the in a way, uh, I think that uh, using the Denzel Washington character to get into the culture or whatever, the, it's very much a film at its time that it doesn't trust the Kate character to be the main character. Mm, it is yeah. Tom Hanks' story, it but has it to be has about, to be Denzel Washington. It has to be about his transformation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, even like his, when you like you watch it now, his homophobia feels fake. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's, yeah. It doesn't land. No, it doesn't. And it's kind of, like, it's still it's still a good movie but um it's not it's not this um so yeah i mean i did really really like this um it's funny like how just like talking about wake and fright like obviously this differs from wake and fright in a lot you know particularly like wake and fright is a completely different era it's a different type of film it's kind of like the very like that was sort of like the beginning or like near the beginning of like the you know the new golden age of australian cinema or whatever and like this is very 90s uh in in some ways um but they still very very clearly share the same dna and uh, I find it really fascinating, like, in Australian cinema, like, and how, like, it has, there's such a strong sense of Australia itself, like, and it's, it's, like, identity, um, and it's really, it permeates throughout its cinema, and, like, even, even still, you still have the, you know, in a way that, like, um, like, I'm, I was trying to think of a good example of, of a kind of a small film industry, like, the Australian film industry is, that is so, like, that they make such a range of different types of movies, but at the same time, they always have an underlying feeling of, of what it means to be Australian, yeah. what it is to like to live in such a like contrasting society of like well, think incredibly urban and incredibly remote. France is the only other country that yeah. is so ubiquitous to its society that every single French movie they even we've done. Yeah. You always talk about French society in yeah. a way that uh, both American British cinema and most other cinema uh uh, films do happen to exist in its own vacuum and in its own mm. universe and i think that uh it's very few countries that filmmakers are so obsessed with their idea of identity and culture mm. i think ireland similarly used to be like australia is still but to the detriment of the yeah, irish film history we didn't behind. use it the way that australian cinema did i think because we've never really had except possibly no but say you go back you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s, we never had the, the the full kind of golden age, like the rebirth of Irish cinema. Like we've had different waves and everything, but never, yeah. never such a lot, you know, like it. it's just, it. I think maybe our industry is just too small or, or whatever, all the different like things that went on in the Irish cinema over the years. But um, 
Yes, yeah, so that is really interesting and very, very clear here. This is a very Australian movie, and I loved that about it. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think like, I think I said it there that um, among like many other themes, but this is tackling the idea of masculinity, Australian Australian men, and what it means to be a man, and um, and which is so interesting considering this is nineteen ninety four. Like it's it's just uh, as I was watching, I was just like, how oh, the fuck did this get made you know what I mean like yeah. it's it's just so interesting like obviously it was very very low budget but like it's just very 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 interesting um yeah so I love road movies um <laughs> like um you know in any any real scenario and like obviously there there are cliches of of road movies and like what you're saying of how like they are episodic and they're always going to have certain constraints because in a way it is sort of its own genre um but i always i always love them like there's just something about the the movement of and the, like the everything being tied together by usually a ragtag collection of people yeah. um but it has to be two journeys the physical journey yeah, and the character two journey things happening simultaneously uh, and obviously like driving across australia is super interesting anyways um, because it is like tiny town nothing tiny town nothing like you know it's just then huge mining town yeah with a casino such a weird country like but um uh yeah i think like the um this like character journey is obviously going to be really important and um i think there's just some really nice like obviously i loved all the characters in this um we can talk about uh performances a bit as well but um there's just really nice like juxtaposition between like the personalities of um of the main characters and even like the the age difference between them as well, I think is really interesting because like it's not that like um, uh, Mitzi and uh, um, Felicia, um, it's not like they're not very young, you know, they're not like young and green or whatever, but there's still a significant age difference between them yeah. and Bernadette. So you kind of like <laughs> she's just so done, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> and even whenever they're driving along, and she's just like, "Oh my god, shut up!" Fucking hate and, like, Even though, like you know, you have Mitzi who is like more sensible, like slight, you know, like less aggressive in like her personality than uh, Felicia is, but you know like Hugo even still goes along with like there's so many like sequences of them just like singing together and everything with like Bernadette in the background just like oh my god shut up but uh at the same time you know she she is like protective of them and you know she is this real like you know matriarch in a way like that they're like they feel kind of like equal but at the same time like she has something that they don't have and that's like the full life lived in this you know in australia in like um uh within this this life of, of like and like all even like her talking because um and her and you even have one scene where she's just like i think it's after um actually it's felicia um after the the guys attack her and you know bernadette comes in and saves the day and uh like just the sheer presence of her whenever she walks in and they're all just like <laughs> you know it's like it is terror stamp you know what i mean thing. yeah but it is but it's not which is just so weird like it takes a minute to get used to that but um uh they you know afterwards where she's just like you know i've i've dealt with this for so long you know what i mean i have i have the the um just like the strength built up over years that you, yeah well. that you just don't quite have yet um and uh it's just really it's really wonderful and like you know like their their energy and like their love still of this lifestyle like you know like the, the whole life around it that she's just like <laughs> so like then whenever bob kind of conveniently appears and it's like this is the nice exit <laughs> you know it's like you know what i'm gonna stay here you can go off in your bus um but uh, yeah, like 
I think like you've said it there that like the warmth and um like the compassion that he has for these characters is like he's, he's just so frequently seen it with like any characters never mind a film that is so positive about its characters and their life and it's oh it's just really it made me think of like uh, obviously we did Weekend as well which um as a similar kind of thing of of like really creating very like w- like well rounded characters that are treated really warmly by its by its um by its director like yeah. just that they exist in their world and like you, you can't help being drawn in but you know and like completely falling for these people like and just you know you want to watch them you know I'd watch a whole series of these characters like just you know go right on their balls going around Australia but um. Yeah, so like the performances are are just really great. Obviously, like Terence Stamp does kind of dominate a bit because like he is such a presence and he's so great. But it seems to me like it's only like, I haven't seen Hugo Weaving in something in so long that I'd kind of forgotten about him. And then like he turns up in this and like, God, he always looked old though. Yeah, Jesus, I was talking about him and I was like. He's not old here. Like, he's not. And he looks way older than he is. Like, see, when you think of, like, when he was in, like, The Matrix, he didn't look old. He, like, he well, didn't... The Matrix is only five years after this. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, that was 99, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, like, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about this that he, he just looks particularly haggard. <laughs> I was like, whoa. But, uh, you know, especially in comparison to Guy Pearce, because Guy Pearce has such a, like, youthful, like, smooth, yeah. perfect face. Uh, I think he's also really, really good. Like, I love gay pierce anyways but he... i think he has one of the the hardest positions that is make yeah. a character that is that over the top and on, yeah. on your face and not make the character annoying but yeah. actually make the character a bit annoying in the beginning so you side with bernadette when the, the, <laughs> yeah. she's rolling her eyes and when they lock over her, <laughs> <But> <laughs> they uh, lock the door of the bus. yeah i'm gonna sing <laughs> how would you like your little boys girls <laughs> But like uh, that, uh, that at the end you're like, I like, I love every part but of the people on that bus. His, some of his best moments are whenever he's with um, uh, what do you call her, his son. Yeah. Like that is just, and because he's just kind of like, you know, oh, you know, what are you, child? And then he's just like, when I come to my room, I've got Legos, and he's like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, and then like at the end he's like got him on his back and like taking him onto the bus. You know, it's like he's like formed this little relationship with this yeah. kid and it's really cute. Um yeah, I, I really, really like um, Guy Pearce. And Hugo Weaving as well. I do think that Terrence Stamp probably, like, he probably has one of the hardest things to do, given that he ha- is having to kind of, like, give his entire backstory just in his mannerisms and his, you know, like, that we don't have kind of, like, flashbacks to the formation of, or, like, flashbacks even to, like, his heyday or whatever. Like, we're just sort of, like, alluded to that he was this great and... But I do think that it might have been, this is completely conjecture and I don't know if it is, but it... it... It sound it could be as like I don't know I haven't read the the screenplay as it was written, mm. but it could be that that moment that you have a good director that realizes that he's getting everything that he needs out of the performance mm. of the actor because anything on top of that wouldn't add anything because Terry Stamp is giving you everything that you might ever want mm. about the character. So he's so be- good as a woman, like that's the thing is that like he really. He has a sort of like that's why I say that he's like a matriarch because he has this presence and posture yeah. of like that's like really very feminine and like it has like the strength of like an older woman. That yeah, it's really incredible. It, like it's not like a t- Terrence Stamp crossroad, and I think no. that it's very important as well that she's the only of the three character main mm, characters he's transsexual that transitioned already mm. to being a woman. So like it's not. 
him dressed as a woman is mm. him being a woman, but it's Terrence Stamp being a man playing a woman, not a cross-dressing. Mm. And I think that, no, cross-dressing, it's a, sorry. By the way, audience, we try our best to get the yeah, terms correctly yeah. and then we're completely on the we, side. At of, the end uh, of the day, we were all we were sad straight people. And we are so. <laughs> all learning as well. And if there is any issues as well, let us know. We'll yeah. not, like, we're, we're always probably, open for, for, we're gonna, for we're, learning. We're going to yeah. use a wrong term at some point, probably. But from a warm place, so please don't bash us too much for the <laughs> fact that we got the term wrong but and um, we do appreciate if we're corrected if it is that we use the incorrect term it, in the screenwriting level it's absolutely perfect the uh, how different the three people's backstories are that uh hugo weaving's character doesn't like we don't go into his backstory when it comes to his parents or not but you can tell from turn sound's performance that he had to fight against the entire society as well because he started in this path way before any mode of acceptance mm. was created. You know, like he would have been one of the pioneers of this move- movement in mm. Australia or Sydney, at least as it's presented in this movie. Well, uh, Hugo Weaving is coming slightly behind that, uh, but uh, you don't have because it is not mentioned it is inflicted that his family because his entire family is his ex-wife and the kid Mm. that his family cut him off when he decided to follow this path Mm. while you have guy pierce trading dresses with his mom (laughs) yeah and and still still connected with her that you know that she's clearly not happy with the decision and that she'll give him ten thousand dollars (laughs) to you know find a nice woman in the desert but um the same time she hasn't cut him off there's still clearly like love there and even the fact that like when you flash back to him as a child that you know he was fairly (laughs) he was fairly confident as a child even you know what i mean that he had like maybe a slightly different upbringing than uh than hugo weaving's character does oh my god that scene with the bathtub <laughs> yeah you don't know where it's going and oh then it's God. just i was watching it and i was just like ah, the screen director ah. it was like oh okay nope nope no it's you this film come up on, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah no like the the kind of like uh i say generational because it's not quite they're not quite sort of very clear generational differences but it is yeah there are differences there and it's it's quite interesting because it's sort of like per like portraying a world um that feels much wider and more real than yeah. is often the case with these like movies with these kinds of characters in them. Uh, and again, crazy time because it's 1994. <laughs> I mean, like, I do like uh, have also all those <clears throat> moments that it's like, oh fuck, Australia. When they go swimming, it's like, where's the crocodiles? Where's oh the snake? <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. But and again, like you said, that it has a, a great sense of place or you can feel the heat and the mosquitoes and the the flies the wide expansive expansive landscape as well with this like insane boss with like (laughs) guy pierce on the roof those scenes are like those shots of him on the roof are just on in the shoe (laughs) oh my god like okay we have to uh, our department has to have its own section for this because 
I mean, we've done some really incredible movies that like, you know, but this is, this is just, oh my God, every single one of those outfits, like the one with the made out of flip flops. I was like, what? And everything, like it's so, it's so tactile and so handmade. And like, as far as I could make out, the budget was really low. So this really was handmade and like every single one of those outfits, but they're absolutely perfect. The, the, the the outfit that it it seems like the dinosaur from Jurassic Park the spits that they do the they open the the ears like there's like wings oh my god yeah so good oh Jesus but like I mean obviously the bit of their performance in uh, in the actual casino is just like like it's just I mean it's it's so good but um, and then the reaction shots of the crowd is just perfect but like the just oh the, the care and attention that's been injured. even like the bus itself the bus is just perfect uh, like in the, the detail of like opening uh, <laughs> the seat and underneath is a sunbed <laughs> it's, it's just, just... <laughs> that's the thing is that like the sheer amount of stuff that comes out of it as well that like the that the, they have their little like breakfast table and stuff where they're eating fruit lips <laughs> Oh yeah. And there's a little Barbie in the background. I'm just like, oh my god, everything about that is so perfect. And it's like, take your hormones. <laughs> yeah, here's the ball that instead of eating Fruit Loops, he's just eating pills. Oh my god, it's just and obviously like there's so many like Lawrence of Arabia moments. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, because of the uh, the Bedouin dress of Lawrence of Arabia. So just... oh Jesus. It's or just... even the how epic it is is the their march to climb the mountain in a frock. And then it's literally just like, Well, we did it now. <laughs> what now? Let's go home. Yeah, like that it's so over the top and when they get there it's like, Yeah, that's uh, that's all right. Yeah. Back down the <laughs> mountain then. <laughs> Uh, um, I do have like a, uh, uh, well I not sorry. not sorry I'm not you can get to your questions I'm not completely finished yet uh, yeah because I did have a few issues um, with it not not massive fundamental destroyed my enjoyment of it but just like small small things um, like sometimes it does feel like a little bit too safe um, like even like whenever they are being like chased by um, well rednecks um, <laughs> like homophobes whatever you want to call them um, they never really. It doesn't really, really get that much of a sense of like true danger from it. Like I, it's, I just felt like a little bit, little bit too, a little bit too safe. But they were never really in, in, in like in serious danger. And like part of it was well that like, like all the kind of like the hicks or whatever. They felt more like stereotypes than say in something like wake and fright and yeah. obviously much more than our main like our protagonists you know so it just felt like a little bit kind of eh. and then like even like i think the weakest part of it um for me was because i do think that the middle is fucking brilliant and then for me it's slightly sagged a little at the end because like his wife and like their relationship is so great and she's so great and like the kids so great and everything's great and they all like everything is i don't know it just felt a little bit too like every other all accepting and everything is fine and now Bernadette's gonna go off with him back in the bus yay you know it felt like a little bit too neat and like obviously I loved it but at the same time I was just like and I you know and as well I appreciated it because it was like um you know because it was 1994 and, and like I remember I was like um whenever uh Call Me By Your Name came out and um I can't was someone on Slate I think was talking about how they watched it with a lot of their gay friends and they were all really, really like anxious because when you watch a film like that, you're just waiting for something really bad to happen to the characters. You know what I mean? That like yeah. that they're gonna get found out that, you know, that 
it's conservatively in the 80s like this is not going to go well kind of thing and like you know you watch especially it when they're walking around Rome or... yeah like you you feel kind of anxious and like I think I had like a little bit of that as well because you're just kind of like oh, this is going too well but then obviously like the true <laughs> the true like you know <laughs> sadness of that movie is not it's the it's the heartbreak not you know what yeah. I mean I mean that's like that why that movie is in a way like so perfect so like it's not that I wanted this to be like because it is the tone of it I think is 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 really great but sometimes it felt like he shied away a little bit you know it was a little bit too like round and around the edges just like slightly so it wasn't like a massive massive deal but um I think uh, that like uh to be able to maintain the uh, the tone, it, it does go dark enough that uh, uh, Guy Pierce, it, there's the insinuation that they're going to rape him in that scene before mm, Bernadette shows yeah. up. And I think that the movie wouldn't have worked really... Like, it does... That scene is not uh, completely forgotten about straight after either. Mm, so they true, do deal yeah. with, the, with the fact that that happened. Is now breezed over. Oh, let's go back to our adventure. His reaction to it afterwards is nearly more realistic than the actual scene itself. Yeah, but I think as well that if the scene had gone, I think that it's undercut as well uh, in a way that it's cut off before the actual that the idea it's already planted and they say they're gonna do it, but without the actual physicality of like they've just had a fight, Mm. which is not a nice thing to experience but it's not as violating as being grabbed to to yeah. be assault, sexually assaulted and i think that because bernadette stops it right before it it gives a the right balance that it creates the scene that this shit happens but doesn't destroy the tone of this film because i don't think that the tone of the film could have been the same mm. if something truly terrible yeah i'm not Even saying that if... it should have happened it's just i don't know i didn't f- truly feel the threat of that move that that scene i think because the characters didn't seem real yeah you know what i mean that even like bob is is you know like like i don't include bob in that because bob seems completely like a real character although in talking about bob we do have to address the problem of his wife yes yeah that that, that is... was what the question that i was yeah, gonna that ask doesn't age well it didn't age particularly well uh, but in defense of the the film uh, they do especially with the conversation afterwards i think it's more portrayal than actually a depiction mm. i think that the because it's the performance slightly over the top but at the end of the day like everybody else's performance is over the top as well mm. uh, but i think i think she just wasn't as well rounded a character yeah, so she but, felt like a stereotype and but at was... the same time when bob is talking about her and how disappointed she was because he sold her a lie coming in mm. that it creates i think that the the problem was more the how it's played for laughs her mm. like getting the ping pong balls or whatever that yeah. is just a, a step too far but as yes. a character itself i think that um Especially for from where in the world she came and it's not uh, to like at the end of the day, it is quite familiar story, like even from World War Two, like Vietnam, uh, even though she's from Thailand. But the idea of Western uh, workers that go to that area of the world and bring back wives, but that were prostitutes Mm. uh, with the idea of like the dreams that they'll give them and grant them that just because you're coming back to the idea of australia but then you're in the fucking back hours of nowhere that you have like one bar that everybody go and get drunk at and 
like you can imagine them going and kangaroo hunts like around the uh, in, in between but i think part of it was that i couldn't you know it didn't feel like like those characters should have felt like they'd walked out of Wake well, like and in, Fright, you know, like and they didn't. In that town, per se, I didn't think that much because Bob, even though he's naive to think that they are going to love the show, he's at no point believing that in that town yeah, that they well, would have a problem. Okay, town, well, in the town, next yeah. town, yeah, he says yeah. you have this is yeah. this okay, town. Well, so yeah. you have to lay down a bit. So like, uh, I think the in a way uh, gives that even when he's uh, sad where if it is a waking fright town even in the other town he'd be afraid of his wife something happening to his wife as being the only woman in mm, the town mm. rather than just being disappointed that like she's doing like that in front of everybody else um but i think as well like uh, like i said they think that it has an age why it's actually disappointing compared to the way that the film deals with the aborigines and i think it's a very yeah, touching scene that's a great scene yeah. and it's because it is it's like the outsiders welcoming the outsiders although yeah. people who are outsiders in their own fucking country but you know that's another thing but like you know what i mean that they're these like also a group of people that are so like shunned out to the margins of like society that like you know they and they are the most like open-minded of you know other than bob i suppose of all the characters that in the movie that it's like you know this tiny little community that like you know like even their like like music and culture and everything and it feels it just melts together yeah. between each other oh god that scene where they're just like i know and he's just oh my god i love that so much <laughs> um it's, yeah and it's the, that idea as well the in a way the the aboriginal cultures and native cultures are often viewed as way more conservative primitive, and yeah. primitive than than western culture quote unquote but i think that also they do generally have an open-mindedness and a heart that something like conservative catholics would never have no <laughs> and uh, i think as well it's the nature of having uh, less uh, cultural depictions of that culture creates a, a false idea of what it actually stands for and what mm. it is same way the saying like oh you're a conservative muslim from tehran is completely different to saying that you're a muslim from bosnia but you're both muslims mm. but because you're just brought together under one single banner that it suddenly loses all doesn't sense matter of, what country you're from yeah yeah even in but in america as well like in australia the each tribe has its own very distinct uh different cultural baggage and of understanding of how, situation how big australia is yeah you know like, like yeah the sheer the sheer distance that is the word that Australia conjures in my mind. It is <laughs> distance. Yeah, like, and uh, I do think the uh, it is the depiction of the of the uh, Thai character is particularly um, a missed opportunity to give her the same. Yeah, it just stands out because yeah. it stands the... out. But at the same time, I think that it could have been worse. Oh, yeah, yes, but which is not know. great thing no, to say either. No. Uh, but like if it was worse it would have been like yeah this movie is a bit like uh, dodgy but like it does give her also impetus that a lot of female characters never had in the 90s mm. that actually she leaves Bob mm. and that she went there as well 
pretty much forcing Bob to take her to Australia. That it's not that he kidnapped her to come to Australia, mm. and she's the dominant. Also, Bob person is not the, a bad yeah. guy. He's just a bit, you know. Yeah, and it's a soft. And in the beginning, you kind of feel like, oh yeah, the dinner scene where they're trying to hide the food under the plate. Uh, what was it they were eating? I can't remember. Chicken and meringue or something. <laughs> I can't remember. It was something really fucking weird. But I think the. Uh, it's more an execution than anything else that the character uh, falls down upon mm. because when you tick the boxes she's just so manic and and like just nothing else you yeah. know she doesn't really get a small moment of yeah I mean like maybe in the dinner scene because like Bob is like just kind of shutting her down and not letting her talk at all but not really in a like a not really in an aggressive fashion, yeah. but just in a kind of a, like, he has no clue. Like, you know, yeah. Bob has no skills, like, you know, in this area. And also the fact that they're completely two different people that probably just spend one night together before marrying and coming together. Yeah. So it's... Uh, they have no real relationship or connection. Yeah, and it's uh, purely the kind of, oh, I don't want to hear this again situation mm. when you're in a relationship that has already run its course many many moons ago and you're just <laughs> don't want to hear your stories yeah you just want to hear your guest rather than this other person but <laughs> so bleak but i do think that so bob has a real tenderness towards her afterwards that mm. kind of, it doesn't retcon the no the, but the actual action but it well, yeah, gives i don't the, think bob is ever badly portrayed uh, you know but it's more the movie's dealing with her yeah. than Bob's. But it gives the character of her also a little bit more depth in mm. itself. But like uh, the other question I was going to have towards for you. Well, like uh, I think we touched upon, but um, was going to be about the ending, really. The I think the well, like uh, because you kind of answered it mm. uh, before, but I just want to explore a little bit more the ending uh, that we kind of glazed over it. It's, I think that it works, even though it's, you mentioned that it sags because... It does work. Because it's like, it subverts what I was expecting as well. Mm. So every little turn, I felt like welling up as Hugo Weaving does when he's surprised. Uh, and unsurprisingly, because he's been raised by uh, another person that is part of the gay community. Mm that the kid is so welcoming and uh, and so open to his lifestyle that even asking him about boyfriends mm. and well not uh, only just that she's gay but that she is clearly such an open warm person yeah. as well that like she did a way she's kind of like the perfect person to work in that kind of job because yeah. you know that she's like you know she just she has this like inclusivity of that radiating out of her you know what i mean that you kind of understand why your kid is so and the fact that like you know they clearly live in this you know so he's used to being around adults and other people yeah. and everything and you know so he's just he's one of those kids that kind of is just like yeah and it, it was one of the, the few films that has an ending that is like that emotional and big and but doesn't feel uh contrived and uh, uh no, it, fake no, it, 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 it the, earns its yeah. moments because of all the the other as well like his journey there I, I and for one like as well that i think that the synopsis kind of undersells the movie saying that it threatens their do. act and their friendship at no point i felt no. that their friendship was in question no that's um, yeah because that is what you would expect like cause yeah. it's um it's maybe it whenever i think of rogue movies i always think of um away we go uh you seen that no um it's uh 
uh, Sam Mendes. Um, but like his whole premise for that movie was that it was like a couple that the whole point of their journey is not at any point is this couple going to break up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's not the point of this movie. You know what I mean? Where like the car- their relationships fracture or whatever. Like it's not about that. And like even within this, like they squabble. You know what I mean? There's a lot of you know. <laughs> But it's little tiffs, yeah. Like at no tiffs. point, you know, even whenever like Felicia does run off and they're like, "Oh God, who knows what she's doing?" or whatever, like they're not like you know, Felicia, why did you run off? They're just like Felicia, you know. It, there's no fallout here. Like that's it's that, and that is like part of the warmth of this. That, that's not the point of the movie. That like, and it's kind of what you're talking about masculinity as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of interesting that they have the same drinking problem as the other male characters. Yes. <laughs> They're just drinking different drinks. Yeah. Yeah. I love that though, whenever he's just like, oh, I'll have a Bloody Mary, please. Also, who the fuck goes out and orders a Bloody Mary in a yeah. pub? Like, no, that's the next morning thing. Uh, he's just like, all we've got is beer. <laughs> I was like, well, then I guess I'll have a beer. <laughs> I love the the scene when the uh, Bernadette is having the drinking contest against the, the local, but oh. also the, the, the local lady is the drinking champion that is like, nobody beat her. Oh god, that's so funny though. <laughs> She's just like, oh damn it, bang! It's like... It reminds me of the that scene oh. in Lord of the Rings. And you're not a huge fan. The Legolas and Gimli having a drinking contest, and Legolas look Orlando Bloom, blonde, whatever. He's like, I feel drunk, a slight tingling in my fingers, and Gimli's like, you weak person, and then like collapses in a heap. <laughs> and it just... Which one is that in? Uh, that's in uh, in the second one. See, this is part of the problem with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, is that kind of these nice. incredibly forever going on and on. But you know, we have to have this stupid fucking scene. But I also, I think that both of those scenes are inspired by Raiders of the Lost Ark. That is the presentation. Marianne, that she's having the drinking scene, the drinking contest uh, contest in the middle of like the Himalayas. Uh, when Nothing you big, when they big, burn big. the the pub. <laughs> well, classic Spielberg as well that is like the one shot that oh, is yes. just panning oh, panning yes. doing like mids mm. or whatever like it's like one minute that you don't notice that is the one shot Spielberg uh, just uh, briefly touching about cinematography editing mm. and music uh, oh. we did oh. touch about the the music oh. obviously the music is fantastic yeah. like it's just there's not one song in this where you're you know like there's a few songs that I like I had not heard in so long and I was just like Oh, yes fantastic and like the how oh, they're dressed like I'm like the, oh my god dad. but it was so good like oh the Jesus. turning of their faces like oh, the cheesy everything uh, about it but there's one point where they like they have weird like things where they're clearly like the opera house as yeah. well i was like that's so good like oh my god and like actually as well we need to touch on the choreography yeah because like the choreography is also fantastic that like it is such a performance that like it's not just like dancing or whatever it's like you know proper like physical movement and oh it's just so well done and what's great as well is that none of the three actors are great dancers per se or greater movement but i can imagine uh going to a show like that and thoroughly enjoy it without even though the fact that they're not even singing that they're lip syncing but because of the whole idea of the performance and yeah. the the character uh, they're playing yeah. yeah but like channeling 
the person who originally wrote the song at yeah. the same time you know what i mean and then also like that person's performance of it or you know it's oh it's just fantastic and the performance also i think the the film very cleverly uh, meshes the the idea of its themes through each separate performance in each location mm. that even in the beginning uh, the first uh seeing that they th- uh, Hugo even gets hit with a can on, on, his, on his head. Mm. And somebody mentions, like, oh, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with the crowd tonight. But it's mentioned that Sydney is better than everywhere else, but it's still not perfect. Mm. So, like, even when they're going through these other places and calling back to the huge uh, openness of culture and uh, metropolis of Sydney, mm. that... Uh, it's still 1994. And uh, I can't remember if it was like, uh, I love the, the line as well. The was suburbia built around the cities to keep us in or to keep them out. <laughs> That's so, so appropriate. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, it, I, I did. I, I loved it. Like even, even the small problems I had, like I loved yeah. it from, I mean, cause it's just, it is such a feel good movie and it's just, there's so many like great, like, insane like set pieces and dance numbers and but i mean and as well it's like it's like a good tight like hour and 40 minutes it's yeah. not you know what i mean like that's always appreciated it doesn't overstay its welcome no. whatsoever and does cover a lot of ground in yeah. an economical fashion mm. uh, and for a road movie it doesn't feel as meandering as no. uh, many do mainly because i think as well that the characters are so well drawn and like you said the it's so easy to be in their company mm. that you just want more little moments and the film keeps giving you these moments yeah, like, to feed boom, you. Boom, 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 yeah, because yeah, even other. like whenever they get um, like stranded and uh, <laughs> Bernadette sets off into the desert. Uh, oh, I- the soundtrack is so over the top. It's amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh no, is this going to be like a whole thing now? You know, it's like such a trope. Oh, they get trapped somewhere. Oh, you know, it's going to be the Yava. But, um, you know, kind of. But um, at, the, it, at the same time, like the whole thing is not, it's just, it doesn't over, you know, like the whole, it's not, the sequence feels like the right length, which yeah. is really important, I think, definitely for a road movie because. Eh. And I love the, uh, guy Pe- the montages of Guy Pierce painting tech. He's like oh upside down. <laughs> so great. <laughs> I love that bus. Did make me think of like Almost Famous as well. Another very famous bus. Yeah. Um, what was that bus called in Almost Famous? Doris? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Something that also, uh, when we record the podcast, uh, like so on top, like for listeners who might not know how it's, sometimes it works, that sometimes we record it weeks in advance and sometimes right on the spot. So Orla has to do the, does the um, social media before we record. So I had to kind of guess. I did wonder. Because <laughs> I was writing and I was like, I can't make it too obvious. Yeah. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> green is not your color <laughs> oh my god because sometimes the thing about like twitter uh sometimes like twitter has like the built-in gif thing yeah and uh some films obviously have loads and then some don't and sometimes they have loads but they're not great and i was like this is a movie that will have gifts <laughs> and it delivered All the uh, gifts. <laughs> and on that note um ricardo what was your favorite thing well like uh i do love most things about this movie uh even the ragged way that it is shot and edited at times. Uh, I think it adds to the kind of over the top, but also 
it matches the characters in mm-hmm. a way that it's flawed and messy and great but I, I think both performance and uh, cre- as a character being created I think per- Bernadette is a mm-hmm. great uh, uh, a great um, cinematic uh, presence and a very seldom seen kind of performance that is so externalized and internalized at the same time Mm. and there's so much that Terrence Stamp has to do and he does everything above and beyond and like I said I think it's one of my my favorite performances of all time just because it's it's so understated Mm. being also really in the forefront of the movie without stealing from the oh, other yeah. characters. No, not at all. Like he... uh, it's a very generous performance as well. That mm. it's uh, like it's clearly the the three actors really got on together and mm. worked together to be a team. Uh, that each other's moments work because the others are supporting those moments and like teeing them up, uh, almost like a volleyball player, so you can spike it kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, I think that it's great, but. Uh, where everything in this movie is very, very good. I think that that performance is a masterpiece. And I mm. think that would be the, my favorite thing in the movie. Mm. What about you? Yeah, same. Like, yeah. Because it is, like, all the other things around it are, are really good. And, like, for what it is and the budget and the time and everything about it, you're like, whoa. But that is, you're just like, whoa. <laughs> you know, it's like, shit. I think if it was <laughs> a different great. kind of movie, he would have gotten all the accolades if it was like mm. that oscar movie same character but just that it's a drama instead of a feel-good movie mm. he would have been nominated oh, yeah. straight yeah, out yeah, of yeah, yeah. bad best supporting is, actor or yeah, whatever that is like such oscar bait but like i think they did get an oscar for the for art department i think I, let, or, let me check as well after i said that it was uh uh, way back in need that, that my brother fact checked me that I said oh it's a disgrace that they didn't get nominated for cinematography and it's like they did get nominated for cinematography oh well you know how we say things that we don't often lock up before we say them it is a movie that is almost forgotten as well I think that people don't really that talk about it it is a cult movie but it was more that it was a cult movie at the time yeah. and it hasn't really and yeah. I'm surprised also with the resurgence and popularity of rupaul drag race yeah. and stuff that like people don't um yeah champion this movie as much as i think as part of that has to be because it is australian cinema yeah. and it's smaller it's a smaller movie but at the same time it's just like but why when you think of like obviously like rocky heart is amazing but like you know you see the adulation and continued love that that yeah. movie gets and this is just sort of like there underneath and you're like but, 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 the, but, Lavender Boss. There's a moment in the Ready Player One that uh, the character professes his love to the demented but brilliant movie that is uh, The Adventures of Booker Bansai and The End Dimension. <laughs> uh, but when he says, oh, I love this movie, The Adventures is like, <laughs> my head just went straight to this movie. That is what Ready Player One needed. Like a moment that like they're fighting at the end and somebody's just mowing down the, the enemies, the Priscilla Queen of the Desert, with like Guy Pearce at the top of the bus. That would have been amazing. 
Uh, what yeah. was your least favorite thing? Well, I think that uh, we both are gonna one of the few times we both agree with best mm. favorite and least favorite. That one is the the portrayal. depiction of the of Bob's wife. Yeah, uh, I think it is problematic at best. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, there's no excuse for it. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, so yeah, I'm not gonna it's... defend it too much. But at the same time, I don't want to overstate the the issues not overly racist per se i think it's just a problematic this uh, depiction that uh, is just even more disappointing considering mm-hmm. how much uh, time and humanity it gives to the other characters there are from uh, uh, non kind of uh, mainstream uh, part of society mm. uh, well with it doesn't afford the same openness to that character, but I don't think that it doesn't ignore also the problems that they she has in that town as well. That she's clearly just seen as a sex thing, mm. and also it's the only way that she's able to express herself, herself and yeah. be no, like acknowledged. That, that stuff scene, too. like up until the ping pongs, um, you know, that isn't in itself isn't as you said. Yeah. Like that's not exactly the problem, but um. Yeah, like, it's funny that we did actually agree. <laughs> that never happens. United. Thanks, Priscilla. Um, yeah, so that was uh, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Thank you, Ricardo. No that problem. Was, uh, no, I did really enjoy it. It was like, yeah. Uh, after Green Room, I thought that you uh, yeah. need a little palate cleanser. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, people should definitely um, seek this out because it is wonderful. And um, I don't know if it's on... It's on Netflix. Is it on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, I watched oh. it on Netflix there. Okay, like, well then, people, you have no excuse. What? This is on Netflix? Yeah, Netflix yeah. This is so fucking weird. It has nothing. And then it'll have like one random thing and you're like, hmm, okay. And I think that it also, it, it is so much fun that it's not the kind of movie that you need to build up to watch or whatever. <laughs> you can just put it on and yeah. and enjoy it and go uh, for, for a ride with it. And as well, like I picked it because of your profession of... Uh, your love for road movies after discussing Vin Vendors mm. so I thought okay I disappointed you with my Vin Vendors pick because I didn't pick one of his road movies <laughs> uh, but uh, I you have redeemed yourself somewhat uh, yeah uh, so Orla what's next week's film I know that we usually do it the other way around but I just uh. thought that it would be a better segue and you ruined it sorry uh <laughs> next week's film is uh, it's my pick and uh it's 1966's seconds a frankenheimer movie yeah uh, opposites is first yeah not a not a cheerful one i'm sorry <laughs> i'm gonna have to take that to heart and really really think um <laughs> i find something that ricardo's not seen i was picking the rose and she's just there with the bayonet in the sorry. dirt just flipping looking for the worms <laughs> Them. <laughs> <laughs> to kill a mocking worm uh anyways <coughs> oh shit to kill a mocking worm because in tequila there's a worm oh no he's just expanded his joke yeah oh, i did whoop, 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 whoop. um anyways uh uh where can, can they find us orla <laughs> they can find us on facebook <laughs> The recommendation game, but also don't find us there. Don't use Facebook, um, Twitter at the Rec Game. Don't use Twitter either. Um, you find us on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. As far as I know, they're fine. Um, but they nominated Dublin Digital Radio for the Mixcloud yeah, okay. award. Well, so. there we go. We like Mixcloud. Um, <laughs> Completely arbitrary, just because. 
Um, <laughs> and you can also find uh, can, us. Uh, we won't have a problem with your Facebook if you nominate us to the Facebook Awards. Well, or to, you know, just give us some kind of a perk, you know. Um, <laughs> well, the dating app. <laughs> Woo! It's excited for that one. Uh, you can also find us on Dublin Digital Radio on Mondays at uh, 11 to 12. Um, and you can also donate to Independent Irish Radio on the Dublin Digital Radio Patreon. Um, yeah, so that was uh, this week's episode. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.